Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 15. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and you're listening to the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu Jitsu. Live Jiu Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and the United States who offer free Jiu Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, helping to keep them away from drugs and crime and to inspire them to pursue their goals and dreams. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, geese, and tournament registrations. As a supporter, the BJJ Metal Coach donates all the profits of t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.liveju-jitsu.org. It's www.liveju-jitsu.org. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest, Ricardo Liborio. Libor is a six-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu, a black belt in judo, and he's one of the original co-founders of the Brazilian top team and American top team. Liborio began his lifelong journey in martial arts at the age four, when he took his first judo class. At the age of 15, he found jiu-jitsu and began training with Carson Gracie, who promoted him to black belt in 1993. Liborio won a gold medal at the very first IBJJF World Championship in 1996 in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, at the super heavyweight division, despite only weighing in around 180 pounds. He was also awarded the distinction as the most technical black belt. He also captured bronze and silver medal at the 1999 and 2000 ADCC Submission Wrestling Championships. In 2000, Liborio, along with Mario Sperry, Murilo Bussamante, and Luis Duarte, decided to form their own academy after a financial disagreement with Carson Gracie, and the Brazilian top team was born. In 2001, he decided to join forces with American businessman Dan Lambert to form American top team. Liborio moved to Florida to build what would become one of the best academies in the world. America's top team has produced numerous champions in the UFC and other MMA organizations. In 2007, his wife Misty and Liborio's life would take an unexpected turn. One day at his daughter's daycare, the employee noticed that Bella was having difficulties with balance. After a trip to the pediatrician, they were directed to a specialist. And after repeated trips to various doctors, Bella was diagnosed with cranial stenosis and Krausen syndrome at the age of two. Basically, her skull was not growing and her brain was. Bella's life was saved with a surgery, but she was left blind. Liboria has since implemented a community outreach program at ATT to teach BJJ to visually impaired and is certified to teach judo to visually impaired. In 2015, he retired from ATT and moved to Orlando for a better educational opportunity for his daughter. Currently, Liboria has found Martial Arts Nation with a vision of being a role model for the entire martial arts community. Welcome to the show, Liborio. Hey, thank you so much, Gustavo. Um, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. I really appreciate it, and I, and I love the intro, too. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. And 
it's an honor for me. And uh, as mentioned here that you won in 1996 and I watched that. I was there. I, I took third place in the Purple Belt Division that year in 1996. <laughs> like, How old were you? Uh, 22. I oh, mean, well. I think 21, uh, 21, 22. So you're younger, man. <laughs> yes, uh, time flies. So tell us um, a little bit about how jujitsu show up in your life. Well, listen, this thing started with four years old. When I was four years old. Um, as you know, it's maybe a lot of people don't know that listen to this right now. Judo for the kids, for the youth, is is it's bigger than jiu-jitsu in Brazil. Yes. You know, people really actually think that Brazilian jiu-jitsu for being a, a martial arts created or, or born or root in Brazil to think that um, it's a bigger martial arts that there is there. No, root, judo is huge in Brazil, as you know. And the programs for the youth in judo carry out a lot of values that Brazilian jiu-jitsu started catching up now learning a lot from that sport so at the time judo is so big my mom put me in judo to try to to try to you know carry on all the values that she thinks that's important for martial arts and i truly 100 percent believe that she did she had the right decision and i started judo as four years old but people don't know for, from judo and i had done judo for a long period of time when i get out of judo for the reasons that I even know, I started doing taekwondo, mm -hmm. and from taekwondo, I I started doing boxing, and and from the boxing to jujitsu, mm -hmm. and from there, I, from jujitsu itself, I, I kept training judo and started doing wrestling and 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 muay thai, and from that so far it goes on, but I'm just saying this is just not. I always was so involved into martial arts. Mm -hmm. I may be the only Brazilian guy that you're going to be talking to here that was not a big fan of soccer. <laughs> no, I, I never was that guy that was so, so skilled in soccer. Maybe was that the reason why I mm -hmm. suck in soccer? And I never took a really pride in, in, in enjoying the, the soccer games and, and go to Maracanã. And no, I always was the guy who was really loved uh, the individual sports. Mm -hmm. The other sport that I always admired was surfing that I practiced. So it was, it was martial arts, man. There was something about that that I always loved. It that always took my attention. And yeah, and and from the turn, I can feel that you know I feel blessed too today that I that I do what I love. And it seems like a a, a very common jargon or a line, but it's true. You know, I do love what I do, man. Like I was telling you before that, that I keep in, I keep in chewing this and, you know, in mind sometimes at night and bad, but if you put so much energy in a more profitable, profitable business, you're making more money here and there. But it, the answer has always come down again into, but not what you love. I love this. Mm -hmm. And, and my thoughts and my, and my, process of thinking is as always to try to create something you know special to this industry and take awesome. this to a different level and how do you feel bjj relate to life well there's so many examples that comes and pops out of my mind right now how it relates to life directly 
There's so many recent and, and old examples of that. First of all, it relates to life for me when I really started understand the values that it brought me as, as a kid. Values as, as, as loyalty, um, dependability, tolerance, um, any type of wisdom, but, but there's so much that I can even tell you that. I'm not just going over the discipline. I'm not going to even over to, to resilience. It's so much more than that. Things that can see it today that I study today, even how to pass it on and character education to the kids. But at that time, one of the biggest lessons that I learned is that there's no way in life that you're not going to be hurt. You can live in a bubble, mm -hmm. but there will be pain. There will be difficulties in your life. There will be a day that you're going to wake up and you're sick. There will be a day that you'll be sad. There will be a day that you have to suck it up and you have continued doing what you do. You have to have that discipline. And you have to have self-discipline, which is, for me, different things. You know, self-discipline when somebody doesn't need to remind you anything. You know, discipline, if you have somebody in your ear, like a, a mental coach like you, mm -hmm. hey, do it. You got to do it. Believe it. I believe in you. And, you, and some people don't have the self-discipline. Mm -hmm. You know? It's, it's pretty easy to say that for the first week, but when the pains are coming and the real, the real pain of, of anxiety, of, of a possibilities of losing or even losing come to the place, you have to have the self-discipline to come back in the next day and to punch the clock. So there is a difference there. You know, discipline is not always the same. You can have discipline because you have somebody like you right next to you and give you the pat and pushing you through the, the most difficult moments. And there's those guys that doesn't matter what it is. They're going to be doing anyway, you know, whatever it is, they have the goal, they have the mission, they know the pat and they, they know the load and it's going to keep pushing. Well, it's so, basically what you said is emotional resilience, you know, be able to yeah, be able to overcome yeah. all the the struggles so our goal is to always be raising the level of emotional yeah. and and raising the level it's it's what it is right i mean i see some of those guys competing and and expose themselves even after achieving greatness what we we think is greatness you know mm -hmm. some of the guys in competition in jiu-jitsu some extremely well-known names they're still competing not just to prove them to themselves just for risking everything mm -hmm. right risking absolutely everything but they have the mental resilience mm -hmm. they understand the game also you know yeah. there is a good understanding of the game that it worthwhile the risk of everything that they build up in a certain way it, it makes sense what I'm saying. It's yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. And for you to get the rewards, there's no way that you're going to get the proper rewards or get your name in history if you don't risk something. Yes. If you don't at least take the lip of mm -hmm. confidence and then go there and, and, and risk, risk, risk anything, risk it all. You know, that's conversation that we had about me living the mm -hmm. Bank of Brazil was a, a tremendous risk 
that was a very, very scary moment in my life, extremely. And, and this is exactly what I want to ask because I always ask the guests, when was the, when was the moment that you had that spark? And personally, I know your story, but a lot of people don't know how you came from the corporate world to make the decision to leave the corporate world to pursue your passion. So I know that you, so I know when was this moment, but how was, how was your mindset? How was dealing with the, the fears and anxieties and the pressure of the family I was saying, like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? And suddenly you're the, the rabble of the family. You know? So if you can expand on that. Correct. Correct about that. You know, I was, I had everything going on in terms of the corporate world. I was a manager in a bank and a great, great stable job. Well, pays pretty well for, for Brazil standards. And, and everything was doing well. But I never loved that. I never loved working in the bank. I never were I never loved that environment. I never loved the industry. Uh-huh. And and I don't think I would never achieve greatness just for the fact that I I do not believe what I was doing, you know, it was it it, it was great. I did not believe it what I was doing. It was something to in you know, in communion with things that I that I wanted to do, which is I have a big pleasure. It's almost like a selfish desire of helping people. And I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. And not because I'm a saint, not because I'm a super nice. It's not about that. It's just I feel good with the feeling that they left out towards me. And I try to analyze this in this way. So it's not just because, oh, I have this this angel's, you know, desire is a heart no man is is i like that feeling to help in the fulfillment i i I have i take pleasure on that take honor on that too so i was not feeling that way i was not helping a lot of people maybe for some reason and the environment itself the, the not the corporate it's not corporate itself the banking environment it's i saw a couple of things there that i didn't like it i i was raising to the martial arts and the martial arts always was, it was a face-to-face type of thing that if you don't like it, you say something. Uh-huh. And, you, and you solve that and you, you create a pair of balls and you actually stop talking on the back. And, and I didn't see that in that environment, at least the bank that I was working on. It was too many, too many face-to-face guys. And how old and were I, you? Um, when I really decided to leave the bank, I was 28. Mm-hmm was 28 years old and I was a manager in a, in a big companies. Um, I was the manager of, of Xerox, IBM, uh, uh, um, a chain of hotels there called Autumn Hotels. And, and I just suddenly, you know, I, I really decided that this is, was not for me. I really can't do this just feeling suffocated yeah. basically going to work and feeling suffocated that man i can i can do this yeah yeah but you understand this i had this love and passion for the mm-hmm. sport since i was 14 years old i started when i started doing jujitsu i knew it that this was for me the environment was for me you know it fit like a glove not just the sport itself i, I like it so much to train and i love it so much when i can competed and I, everything was doing well i was winning everything it came out really like a perfect glove for me but 
the environment, mm -hmm. my friends, all my friends were from jiu-jitsu. All the guys that I built up even to today, you know, the majority. And I went to school, I went to college. I don't have memory of that. My memory was I remember waking up 5 o'clock in the morning, be at De La Hiva at 7, train at Carso at noon. After, after eating my lunch inside mm -hmm. the bank, hidden from everybody else so they don't see me, so I can go train during the spirit of time and come back at night and go, go, for, go to college for a couple of hours there, do my classes in a couple of days of the week, and go back to train. That's that of what I remember. I remember the days and going there three days, of, three days, uh, you know, three times a day sometimes. Mm -hmm. I remember clearly, vividly of that. I don't remember my memories in a bank. I don't have much memories of, of my time in, in college, um, which, it, which I'm not saying that it was, it was great that I lived that world of corporate. Mm -hmm. And I understand a lot of things because of that experience. That's no doubt that helped me so much. But it was not my environment. Mm -hmm. It was not my passion. And it was not the place that I wanted to be and, and, and raise not just myself, but raise my family with that feeling that, that I could have accomplished more in other areas. And I, in one point there, um, I had an opportunity this opportunity came up when a Carlson, uh, invited me to compete at a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu nationals in 95 I competed in 95, and, and, I, and I won, and I automatically got the spot to compete at the Worlds in 96. So I competed in 96, but at the Worlds, I went there, and I presented something to my, the superintendent of the bank at the time, and I told him that, well, I have a plan here. I got a chance to compete at the World Championships, and if you just let me train for a month extra, because I... I have vacation time. Mm -hmm. It was 15 days. I took 15 days plus 15 days to, 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 to train that they would allow me to do it. And I'll put a big sign of a bank of Brazil I on my gi. That. And I think this is going to have a very good return in terms of image. And it did. It did because at the time, the world championships was, was uh, it, it came out in a sports spectacular and, and all the sports you know, sport TV, live. It came up with a great deal of media at the time and a lot of newspapers. And this is really, really was a great investment for, for the superintendent, which was a very open-minded guy mm -hmm. at the time. It was really thinking ahead of everybody else. So it just cost me 15 days to, to, to let this employee go. And, and I trained my ass off, and I, I was able to succeed, and I won, and I, and I got this award of the most, the most technical black belt at, at the world. And all this came up to definitely, you know, to just justify what I was doing and, and really was a big boom in a whole entire community in Bank of Brazil. Mm -hmm. From there on, I thought, well, there's something here. You know, there's something here. It's going to be hard for them to find out another guy in my caliber inside the Bank of Brazil mm -hmm. doing what I'm doing. And so I can't, I can't use that. So at the time, Bank of Brazil had this program, uh, which is the, they launched this credit card for teenagers. Mm -hmm. 
where the parents could actually put the allowance inside this little account. And what a bank wanted with that is just create loyalty mm-hmm. of this new generation. Because usually, if you have a, a first bank account, you don't change much, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You open an account that's like me. I've opened an account on Bank of America, and here I still have Bank of America to today. So they wanted me to work on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I put a project together. At the time, I was I get the sponsor, remember, company. Mm-hmm. So you remember yeah. the company? Yeah. Yeah. Company is a brand of, of a lifestyle, jiu-jitsu and surfing and skating and everything. It's a big one in, in Brazil. And I put the company together with the Bank of Brazil. And we started working and hitting all the schools in Rio. All the actually schools that they have the demographics that they wanted to. Mm-hmm. People that have money. They can actually get the teenager credit card. And we raised up a database of almost like a 3,000 names and, and emails and, and all exactly what they needed they wanted to. And it was a very successful program. Just what I was doing is just going to the schools and doing some demos and talking about uh, this program with a no, no, no to drugs and anti-bullying and stranger danger, all this, mm-hmm. all this, you know, all this programs combined. And it was a tremendous success at the time. So the bank was very pleased. Company was very pleased, and we and we achieve all. We break through the all the, you know, all the statistics and all the all the levels of success mm-hmm. that they want in that program, financially, marketing wise, you know, and and generate three thousand new accounts for the Bank of Brazil. So they were extremely happy about that. And I worked in that project for quite a while mm-hmm. until. Lula came in. Mm-hmm. Do you remember at the time? Mm-hmm. Lula came in. He's a former uh, Brazil he, president for people. Yeah. And he changed everything because the, the vice, the president of the Bank of Brazil is in a political position and he drops. A new president comes in because of the new administration and the superintendent that was given support of everything got out. And suddenly the bank just asked me to return. So they say, well, you got to come back working, you know, nine to five, any office. And I, and I said, no, <laughs> there is no way that I can do this. But this is, was the most difficult time mm-hmm. there. That was the time that was extremely difficult for me because I was making good money. Mm-hmm. It's a very stable job. Um, and for the obvious reasons. And, and there was a career there. Mm-hmm. And my background is in business. so. The family pressure was unbelievable. I imagine. Imagine that, you know. I was I was 28 years old at the time. I was still relatively young, but I living by myself in my in my apartment and everything. Suddenly, I go talk to my father about this. Say, man, I can't, I can't return. I can't go back. That this is not for me. I know, I know my calling. I know, you know, what I'm here for. I just can't do this. And he just absolutely gave no support at the time. It was really rough, you know, just, just try to break through that. He was, and it was a guy who was always giving me support. He said, Maggie, how are you going to do this? This is, this is, you're going to quit your, your corporate banking job to work with jujitsu. That's what you're telling me. (laughs) And, and imagine the stress that caused me that. And, 
But there was one moment of epiphany there. There was a friend of mine that was talking to this guy. He was actually a psychologist. And I was talking to him. And he says, Lebo, let me, let me ask you this. You know, why do you think you're not going to be successful outside the bank of Brazil? You're successful with your relationships. You're successful with your friendships. You're successful even in a bank that you don't like it. You still got a, you know, a management job. Mm -hmm. You're still successful. You're successful in your sports. You're successful with your family. There's so many things in your life that you're successful. Why do you think you're not going to be successful outside of a bank of Brazil? And I have that light bulb. Say so you 100 percent mm -hmm. right. That's my leaf of faith there. I got a belief. Why do I so scare of it? What had pushed me back? What had hold me back so much? And it's fear. Mm -hmm. But I'm so passionate about what I do. And passion in education, because like you said, you know, we're talking about this. You have to have the vision and you have to have the mission, mm -hmm. right? You have to know the steps. You have to know the steps. You can't fool yourself. They just go there in a, in a try luck. If you don't, you know, if you don't pass through the process of a learning, you have to have some background. You gotta, you gotta put time. You gotta put time, you know, to to, to crop all this later. Mm -hmm. So if you if you do your homework and you know the process, you know that you where you're going from there, and you you're able to have that discipline that you're talking about. You know, in this resilience, emotional resilience, yeah, yeah, you, you, you got to do it. You got to do it because I really did not want it to be that old man that regrets so much mm -hmm. to invest everything in it. And you had a chance. I had a chance to do what I love. I had a chance to help people. There was no price tag on this. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and I'm, don't, don't understand me wrong. There is a lot of things during the process that make you doubt the right yes, questions. Absolutely. But there is that resilience. Mm -hmm. There is that resilience. It's almost like in competition. Courage, does, it's not the absence of fear. There's none of that. Mm -hmm. Courage is dealing with the fear is going to be there. Sometimes it's so big. But courage is knowing that you have to follow the path. you got to keep following the steps. It doesn't really matter what it is. Step after steps, when you see it, you're there. But the fear is going to be there. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what. you just got to keep doing it. you just got to, like I like to say, punch the clock. Mm -hmm. you got to punch the clock. You have the vision. That's it. Let's do it. And the moment that you decide to do it, it's just got to keep doing it. You just got to. Just got to work hard. Whatever comes to the place, it's going to be bad days. There's no way there's not going to be bad days. There's no way that you're not going to doubt something somewhere, somehow. You know it. Fuck it all. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Let's keep going. Um, and um, one of the things that we have a lot of people who are entrepreneurs that are listening and the crowd that I always try to give even more support is to people in transition that the moment that you were at one point in a lot of the things I was going to ask you and you're already throwing uh, there. And what I, I want you to see a message that it can give to people is because there are people in that situation that they're feeling suffocated. They just hate 
you know, what they do. I know that it's not just, you kind of did like, I'm done, you know, but you had jujitsu and all the stuff and you pursued, but still a tough transition. Sometimes I tell people like, it's not have a plan. You know what I mean? It's not just like I quit and it'll have no. Yeah, plan. no, but it wasn't like this. I quit. It wasn't like this. It took me a while. It took me a while to, um, I have to rush to make decisions, but at the same time, it took me a while to, to actually leave. Mm -hmm. I, I try to create a plan, you know, in my case right there, right now, I was, um, one of the very important things I remember my mom saying that, you know, I remember with that words, uh, but it, it, you're, you're not going to have health insurance. You're not going to have the retirement plan. You're not going to have mm -hmm. this and that. How are you going to buy your house? Mm -hmm. All this. And it, it scares you, of course, especially your mom, somebody who loves you more than anything, mm -hmm. to, to ask the tough questions, to, to ask the real questions. You, you're going to be scared. But I knew it for a fact that I... I will never be happy. Mm -hmm. I will never be great. I'll be very average in something. And I, I knew that, that jujitsu for me, it was my, it's, it was my path to what I consider myself greatness, what I would love to do. And I prepare in a certain way. I saved the money that was necessary. I used the money that I got from, from my, from my 401k. And I, Make the investments with the investments that I had there. I was paying my health insurance. I was paying my retirement plan, you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember after all this, when I bought the house here in America, my first house, and I called her, say, "Hey, I did it," and I, and I did it, you know, something that she couldn't ever believe that I would be able to do with jujitsu itself, you know. And I did it, and and at the same time. It, it was not easy and it was not without struggles, it was not without doubt, but it was with resilience. It was with, with the goal. It was with the working day, getting out of your bed, get your breakfast, do your thing and be there. You know, it, that's the recipe of success. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that the recipe of success is not just the talent. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just the amount of work. The hardest part is to, is to get out of bed when you don't want it to. You do the things that you don't want it to. Your mind playing so many tricks. Your body playing tricks in you. And you have to suck it up. And you have to do what you have to do it. And in the end, you'll be able to collect the fruits of, of your success, what you consider success, or even if success, but you have to put your time into it. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel that it, it's, it's cool when you mentioned that when you're in a corporate world and said like, there's so many things, you start seeing things that you didn't like, you know, and eventually start preparing yourself to leave. And one of the things that I suggest to the listeners and it's a question that I ask myself sometimes when I'm in a situation that I'm anxious, I don't like what I see. And the question is, is it okay to be okay with something that you're not okay with it? So let me just say again, so people can reflect a little more. Is it okay to be okay with something that you're not okay with it? Now it depends because you were in a position that you had to be okay, even though you weren't for some time until right. you left. 
The yep. worst is when people are not okay with it and they will stay there for the rest of their lives. They're going to retire and everything. So I feel that especially in this transition, people really see that, man, I don't like what I see, but it's good money. I'm going to do it anyway. And that's which each one's going to make the decision that if it's aligned with their incongruence with what they believe, you know, so what did you say for people who right now that they are so scared of pulling the trigger on that transition? One, one thing that would be like, man, one step, just executing one little thing that's, and of course, you know, it doesn't have to be a big, but one little move that's going to help you this transition. It's not going to be smooth, you know what I mean? But at least, you know, smoother. What would you recommend to people who are interested? Well, what I always said, if you don't know what you what you want, if you don't know what you want, is a much easier way if you find out what you don't want. Mm -hmm. This is a big step. You don't want that for your life. I really don't want this for my life. But there is a timeline in things, and when I say that is even if you are even if you are an entrepreneur, successful businessman, whatever you do, you still have to compile and apply and suck it up over decisions that is not yours, over pathways that it's not yours, over situations that you have to deal with because this is part of not just a business life, this is part of life in general. Mm -hmm. If you want to live in society, you're going to have to accept things that maybe they're not, it's not for you. That's period what it is. So suck it up during the period of time. But know what you wanted to do. Because it's like those guys, you know, you can't complain about everything or you can't complain about something if you don't know or didn't put time into a better solution for that. Yeah. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. If you really not okay with that but you don't know what okay is mm -hmm. because you have to get a good understanding of the whole right mm -hmm. don't think about all your end results and you're talking about companies or if you're an employee don't you forget that there's way more into decisions than only your side of the story especially if you're not sitting down and the other side of the table where you got to make decision for the whole company and the whole entire corporate structure and the guy who's asking or requiring or demanding something is just sending just just seeing his side makes sense yeah. you have to have a good understanding of the whole and sometimes decisions are made by political reasons or necessities or 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 structure itself then you have to comply with that you gotta accept things acceptance is a very important thing at least for a period of time but come out if it really bothers you so much if you're not okay at all make sure that you know why you're not okay and you have to have a good blueprint of everything and from there you start the plan that's going to change your life it can take five ten 15 years, 20 years, or whatever it is, if you think and you really start to blueprint that, but the problem is after a while, you numb yourself or 
Yeah. When you see it, you don't put enough time to make changes. And you just have what you have is just a bitchy, you know, complainy, you know, type of feeling in yourself that you know you don't like that. This is a is a is a, a bad wound that never heals, but you never really took care of that. You never actually put time to heal up that thing. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like the bad injury that you never do any kind of therapy, but you keep complaining about it. But you never had the plan to actually move on and into the healing. You gotta put yeah. time into it. That's period of what it is. Um, it takes time to make decisions that was gonna make you, you know, successful. Mm-hmm. And there's no way that you're not gonna be. There's no way that you do whatever you do. There's not gonna be bad times. There's not gonna be uh, bad decisions. There's not gonna be. You have to suck it up and agree with things that maybe for you is gonna hurt you, even because it's your ego. Because you mm-hmm. have different thoughts or different moments. And in the end, that person was right. It happened to me. I said, yeah. See that? Well, I was wrong. And I was wrong. Lesson to be learned. You know? Mm-hmm. But you have to put some time into it. Start with what you don't want. If you don't know what you want, start with what you don't want at all. And you for sure, much easier for you to find out. And it started planning from that. I like that. Uh, what is a one high-performance habit that helped you in progress in jiu-jitsu and business? Something that you do daily that's part of your life, your business, or helped you overall in your life? That's the habit of what I call punch the clock. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, whatever feelings you have, whatever moment that you have, whatever healthy situation, of course, I'm not, I'm not talking to you with a broken leg, try to go work or got to train jiu-jitsu. No, it's not about that. It's for you mentally. Doesn't matter how you are mentally. Put the blinders and keep on walking. It makes sense what I'm saying. This is this is extremely important. And at one point, don't be diverse by everything else or other people's opinions. Or it's it's like especially nowadays. Nowadays with the social media, mm-hmm. whatever you do, whatever pathway you get you're going to have criticals. You're going to have people that are going to be telling that you're wrong, that you're not, whatever reason it is, for so many reasons. The reason mainly, the main reason is that because they're behind something and they cannot, you cannot see them directly. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times? It doesn't matter what you do. You beat people and say, hey, you're wrong and you suck and you're never going to do that. There will be people like that. There will be those bullies that they're so angry inside that they're so hurt inside that they want to hurt everybody else or whatever it is for some, whatever reason it is, you know, the reason of because of religion, your color of your skin, your, your sexuality, whatever it is, you're going to have the haters. That's no way that you're going to achieve certain amount of success that you're not going to have those haters and social media still. But if you just keep listening to them, if you just keep listening to people that really actually are not in your, in your, in your life, especially those that are not in your life, that's what's so hard. When my mom was saying, "Wait, this is what you're doing," it, or my father was saying, "You're not going to be able to pay your, you know, you're never going to be able to buy your house." All of this, mm-hmm. all this, people that loves you to death, 
come to you something like this and you still have to have the gut to say no man i know what it is i i know i know what i have to do you know and that was the hardest part for the haters what i'm gonna say man it's it is what it is yeah there is a phrase from les brown what i've shared in some of the podcasts before to say someone's opinion of you don't have to become your reality it becomes your reality if you choose to do so you know their opinion that's all that is is their opinion it doesn't yeah. have to be reality what they said that's what they yeah. said so you got to really be self-aware of this so you don't have to like you said you know things like that to be holding you back they got no place to be holding you back in in the first place now what is the best advice that you've ever received some of the some of the best advice that i have ever received from carlson it was like basically what it is is oh you're lost oh you're you're not doing well or that suck it up mount up and keep writing something like this mm -hmm. it's just it's a process it's not that he doesn't have a heart he just knew it ahead of the game that that after all the infliction all the emotions apart mm -hmm. you got to keep on going you have to turn the page you have to accept things in life. It's life itself. Accept and move on. Mm -hmm. Accept and, and, and learn it and go for the best after that. Because in the end, the ones that really didn't risk and the ones that really actually did not move it, they are they're so behind they're so dig into their own depression they are they're they're really spinning you know behind their tails and that's what it is and you just you just gotta turn the page and move on mm -hmm. for anything anything and if it's not if everything goes perfect in your life just find a way to break the mold help people because that's for that's the next step right the next step for success is is the, is the hand that you're going to extend not just prepare the new generation but just prepare other people's dreams come true and that's 100 percent that the in my opinion the secret of success it is it is whatever comes in your way you just got to keep on going you just got it's I'm not saying that it's not gonna hurt it's gonna hurt like hell Absolutely. it's still hurting so much but that 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 analogy from Carlson it's analogy that I put it into today you know when everything happened with Bella mm -hmm. and we find out that she was she was going to be blind and 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 and, and life goes on and I see myself, do you think I can afford to be depressed to try to find the roots of this, mm -hmm. the why of this? Yeah. No. No. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's, let's next. The knowledge that I have for life was a lot to do with, with what I learned from, from jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. I lost. Next. What I'm going to do, I'm not going to start training, you stop training, you start competing, you start everything. No way, man. It's just next. You know, 
put your ego down, lose it, accept it, but you're going to keep on going and you're going to win again. That's, mm -hmm. that's what it is. You mentioned about turning the page and I'd like to share something with you and the listeners about this analogy that life is like a book your autobiography book. You're gonna have some happy and exciting chapters, but you're also gonna have some sad and disappointing ones, and you cannot change the previous chapters of the book of your life. You can only change the end of the book. So enjoy the process of discovering about each page of your autobiography book, and enjoy the ride. I got a good example of that. You know, after, I don't know how many years, 14 years, I competed against and I did ADCC against Mario, which is a tremendous competitor. was a champion. It's a tremendous athlete and, com and competitor. And I was walking towards the ring to compete to the mats, and it was something that was through my head. It was like, what is the worst that can happen? The worst mm -hmm. that can happen is what? Is to lose in 10 seconds, get killed a team, or, or footlock or something like that. It's just, is that worth it? Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. That worth it. Every single thing. Every single thing. Just just getting ready for that. You know, the community that, that I have behind me, people that I love, the times and memories that I built up to get to there. And I even mentioned my own health. I wasn't there for losing and winning. I was there for happiness. I was there mm -hmm. for whatever reasons that I've, it, it was a process mm -hmm. itself. The process, I was after the process of training with the competition, with a goal. The process was way more enjoyable than the end result of that, mm -hmm. to be honest. And at the same time, like you said, is you can't think too much about all just uh, what you have to lose you have to rethink it about what you gain with mm -hmm. everything what do you gain with the process itself what it's a what would be one advice that you give to the the younger Libori when he made that decision he had that spark that he wants to leave and then you left you left a Banco do Brasil and now if you had a chance to have a conversation to Libori back then and saying like hey I'm just coming back here. I just want to tell you this here real quick. What would you have done differently? And something that you could share with, with him, you know, your younger version. One what, I, what I would say to him was like, congratulations. You did a, 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 you assert your decision. You know, coming to the United States was two very important decisions in my life, which was, you know, really pursued a dream mm -hmm. that I was so you know, I was so afraid of it at one point. Uh -huh. Pursued a dream of moving completely. And it built up my family. United States built me, you know, not just a business, the career itself, but it gave me my family. And I love my kids. I do once, you know, in such passion that you can't even imagine. That's the reason why. Mm -hmm. That's my reason why. That's when I wake up in the morning, I was thinking about, you know, my kids. It's just really, it's most important, my family itself. Mm -hmm. And and I was going to tell him to make more mistakes, try more. Don't be afraid of making more mistakes. Yeah. Really, and, and study more. Educate yourself more. Mm -hmm. 
you know, really make sure, don't, don't make this a habit. Make learning a habit. Pastor educational process that you can listen to, to listen to people that actually had more experience or study more than you. And you're going to have a world open up in front of your eyes. So, and, and it's something that I don't like to repeat itself, but I remember my mom and dad talking about education is the most important tool that you could ever have or you could ever live to your kids. It's so true. Mm-hmm. It's so true. First of all, education is forever. You always will be learning. Always will be learning. And there is always something new. It's somebody right now is creating the next technology that was going to influence the whole entire world. And you have to deal with that. <laughs> Imagine my father to have to deal with computers or, you know, or the cell phone or whatever it is. I'm not even going to technology right now, but you have to be open. You have to study, you know, and, and, and you have to, you have to do more. What do you love? You have to do more of a love. But don't be so afraid. That's mm-hmm. what I was going to say. Don't be so anxious. What are you currently excited about? I know you got some new projects going on. And what you got in mind? Well, we have something to be launched pretty soon, which will be an association. And the association will be called the Martial Arts Nation which is, by the way, Gustavo, this is the first time I'm talking about this, Sweet. and I put in the name out there. Mm-hmm. So Martial Arts Nation, it's, it's a world-class program, an association to create tools that actually educate and create more feasibility in this super-evolving world of martial arts as it is right now, you know? So... But we find out, especially in our industry, our industry, the BJJ industry, the MMA industry, the grappling industry, is that there is a huge lack of understanding of the business concepts. Mm -hmm. In the traditional martial arts, they're 40 years ahead of us. Those guys are really, or even more. Mm -hmm. They're way more organized, more, they have way more systems than we have it. We borrow a lot of systems that what they have. Mm-hmm. But we have to create our own because, like it or not, grappling, jiu-jitsu, and MMA is different. Different cultures, at least, say. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, there's so much to be learned from both sides. But I have the last four years of my life just studying a lot of what are called at least a couple of pillars, which is important. If you want to own a business, not buying a job, if you want to own a business – you have to have at least a, a comprehensive market, you know, a great, well-trained staff for sales, a really understandable curriculum that people, when they, they sign up, they know, you know, from here to here, what's necessary for you to learn to achieve goals. And, and there's always an, an always evolving curriculum not just mm-hmm. you're just going to put there this is what you do to to be from white to black it's never going to be like that the sport never stops in any sports never stops it's always going to be evolving but you at least have a basic understanding what it is necessary you know without assuming anything else 
Besides that, you have to train instructors to train how to teach them or how to teach. You have to instruct instructors how to teach mm -hmm. and the choosing of the words and the message to be taught. You know, there is so much to be influenced, especially kids. We're developing a program of character education that's really actually going to change a lot of things. We implemented the mat chat, which is five minutes during the class, that the instructors are going to be able to talk about values, like mm -hmm. discipline. You know, I, I, would give you, I was giving you an example of, of a discipline itself. And you go a four-year-old, man, five-year-old kid, and you ask what is discipline, and they come up with the most beautiful and bubbly and colorful answers. Well, what do they think a discipline is? You know? But they don't know the whole entire concept. Or even if they learn a line, you know, what a discipline is. Discipline is something they do it every day. It doesn't matter how you feel. You do it every day. What you think is right. It doesn't matter how you feel. And you go for discipline and you explain what it is. And after that, you give them homeworks. So discipline. And you explain it. After that, you're going to say, now you're going to be showing me, you know, homeworks of discipline and self-discipline, which is different, you know, that's like we're saying, self-discipline is when you don't need to be reminded of it. So you go for the kid and I tell them that they have to do their own homework without the mom or the dad actually, actually asking them to do it. You're going to do the, a disciplined homework of taking out the trash or cleaning up their, their dishes or, or, clean up their own room, making the bad, all this mm -hmm. has to be something that they have to put themselves out. And we're going to incorporate this in the testings, mm -hmm. in the, you know, for, for the belt ceremonies. Nice. And this is going to change the world of, of how do you deal with, very comprehensive and how to, how to, how to create character education mm -hmm. or parenting. There's so many values, you know, loyalty or even lo loyalty. Loyalty is one of them. You know, I think about loyalty because I was thinking about the Carlson Gracie and, and like it or not, loyalty doesn't mean that you're going to be supporting your friend for everything. You're mm -hmm. going to be supporting your friend in the most difficult times. That's the example of loyalty, but any other person is completely wrong because it's your friend. You're not going to actually guide him to the right side. If, you're, if your best friend is doing something so wrong, are you still supporting him just because he's your friend? Are you don't have loyalty to your family. You don't have loyalty to your, to your country. That, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All of this is a perspective. What is loyalty? It's like kids. Kids got caught up in loyalty, and people do things to them, very bad things to them. And they base themselves on the preconcept pre of loyalty. Oh, but, but you're loyal. No, you're my friend. You're not going to tell your mom about that. Sometimes it's something really bad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And kids have to have that notion of a loyalty. It's got to be, never can be clashing against the right thing to do. And this is a process. And this is actually an educational tool. Yeah, absolutely. And this is what are we actually going to be started doing. And we're going to help instructors how to teach that. And this is completely, this is, a, a, it's, it's, 
man, we're helping so many people with that, helping even parents that don't know exactly how to pass on. I learned so much when I started studying character education from all the lines that I'm telling you right now that I learned through educational process. Mm -hmm. Now I think that I'm a better parent. I how many of this lines for those values I told my daughters about it. I didn't learn with that. I, didn't, I was not born completely with that, you know, or this education is something that I learned from here. Yeah. But it's a process. And, and that's what a martial arts nation is going to be. We're going to have, we want a martial arts nations anywhere. We want a martial arts nations in your school. We want a martial arts nation and, 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 and all the big teams in the world for BJJ, for MMA, for traditional martial arts. We want to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. Bring the best tools of what they need to be successful. You know, that's that's awesome. And that's the beauty. Yeah. And you're gonna be part of that. I will. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you I will gonna be part of that. I will. So for the listeners, we're getting close to the end of the interview. So just make around stick around for my final thoughts at the end of the interview. But I'd like to thank you for your time and also see how we can find more about you, about martial arts nation, or any final message you want to give to the listeners? All right, guys. So I'm a big Instagram user. <laughs> so I use the Instagram words, which is Laborio BJJ. Mm -hmm. um, our website is martialartsnation.com. And we're being a social media, you know, for guys that want to want to send any questions or things like that. My email is Laborio BJJ at hotmail.com. And I'm in Orlando, and we're going to have some very exciting news, you know, with some great collaborations with some, some very legit, you know, entities right here. And, and Gustavo, this was such a pleasure, man. I, I love to talk to you. This is, was so, so synergic. You know, there were so much things that we're doing in common that I know that we're going to be seeing and talking more, you know, in, in, in many different ways. I truly, I truly, uh, I, I truly appreciate everything, and I really hope to come back here again. Awesome, for sure you will. So thank you so much, and for the listeners, stick around for the final thoughts. Oos, oos. First, I'd like to say thank you, Libori, for the amazing interview. Very inspiring. And as I always mention, I hope you're able to grab at least one good takeaway from the interview that you can apply in your journey. My main takeaway is about the courage necessary to face your fears and anxieties and take risks in your life despite what others think. Let me ask you this. What does the word courage mean to you? Have you thought about that? I see courage the exact same way Libori does, that courage is not the absence of fear, it's actually feeling that fear and doing it anyway, despite of the fear. For those who don't know, I'm a certified high-performance coach from Brandon Bouchard's High Performance Institute. Brandon is the world's leading high-performance coach, and his content has made a huge impact in my personal and professional life, and hopefully can help yours too. According to his definition, high performance means succeeding beyond the standard norms consistently over the long term. And you define what success means to you, not society. In order to reach higher levels of performance in anything you do, personally or professionally, you must consistently do six habits. And one of them is to demonstrate courage. 
which Libori demonstrated when he quit the safety of the corporate world for his martial arts vision. Despite all the naysayers, he succeeded beyond the standard norms. And one of the reasons is because he demonstrated courage consistently over the long term. And he continues to succeed because he still feels the fears and anxieties and he moves forward anyway. And as he likes to say, he keeps punching the clock every day. Brenda Bouchard shares that outside of fears for our physical health in dangerous situations, of course, usually the human being most often fears three types of pains. And let me share a story to help you to explain this concept. Years ago during a class, I approached a student, let's call him Mario. Mario was a Hispanic gentleman in his early 30s who had really broken English, so we had a hard time to communicate. I talked with him in English, in Portuguese, in he basically in Spanish, in very little English. He was a white belt about to get his blue belt, and he was doing really well, by the way. I suggested him to give it a shot in a competition. And for those who don't know, GD Jiu-Jitsu Academy is a school that focuses on sport jiu-jitsu competitions. We don't force anyone to compete, but it's a natural transition at the academy. And by the way, I feel that every practitioner should compete at least once to go through the physical and emotional process of preparing for the tournament and performing an under-pressure situation. Jiu-Jitsu can really be used as an amazing personal development tool. And from the bottom of my heart, jiu-jitsu competitions changed my life, literally. Anyway, I told him, dude, you've been doing great in class. Muy bueno. That's all I got for my <laughs> Spanish. You've got so much better. What do you think about competing in the next tournament? And he stared at me and said, I want you to think. I said, no problem. I didn't say anything next time I saw him. Then eventually I asked him and he stared at me and said, lost. I said, you mean what if you lose? He said, yes. Do you want to try it though? I said, maybe. Like, what are you afraid of? He just said, people, family, friends. Like, okay, so lose and disappoint your friends and family? He said, yes. What if train, train, train and lose? So you mean waste all your time? He said, yes. Here's the thing. When I mentioned to Mario about the tournament, he went home and probably started to think, that would be pretty cool. I never done anything like that. I'm going to have to watch my diet. I'll be more consistent. Imagine if I win. And then his dark passenger, the negative voice that lives in everyone's head, including yours, started to tell him, wait, 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 wait. What if you lose, amigo? You don't want to disappoint anybody, do you? Gustavo, the team, your family, what if you lose in front of your kids? They might think you're a loser. Imagine if your co-workers find out about it. Oh, they're going to be making stupid jokes about it. You know what? You've been super busy, dude. I think you should wait for the next one. And Mario agreed with his dark passenger, even though he wanted to compete. And he said, next tournament. Now anxiety is gone. Ah. <sighs> Eventually, he was promoted to Blue Belt, good Blue Belt. Months later, he moved to a different state with his wife and two kids. And I don't even know if he kept training or maybe if one day he competed. Anyway, in this scenario, I described the three pains most people often fear. We fear loss pain, process pain, 
outcome pain. Let me break down each one. What if I lose? Outcome pain and loss pain. What if I do all this effort and it doesn't work? The process pain. I don't want to disappoint anybody. Loss pain. Fear that people look down on you if you don't meet their expectations. You lose your respect. You lose your self-esteem. In this scenario, Mario chose fear instead courage besides of his desire of trying a competition once. Now, let's use another example like Liborio's story. When he first had the thought about quitting the corporate world to pursue his martial arts vision, I assume his dark passenger told him, dude, you have a solid job. If you leave, you're going to lose all your stability, your benefits, lost pain. And what if you do all that, the process pain, and the grass is not greener on the other side, outcome pain. But he chose, and here's the key word, he chose to be courageous, to feel the fear and do it anyway, and take a huge risk, and it paid off. Oftentimes in a podcast, I repeat some of my favorite quotes, like, if you're looking for a big opportunity, accept a big challenge. That's exactly what happened with him. Libotti fought his dark passenger and the dark passengers of all the naysayers, including his family that loved him and wanted him to be successful. But Libotti had other standards to measure his success. Success for him meant to be authentic to his desire, to go after exactly what he wants, and he was willing to take risks. Now, what about you? What are you fearing? The loss pain? The process pain? And or the outcome pain? It can be one, two, or a combination of all three, like it was for Liborio. But he chose to be courageous. And you can choose to be courageous too. Let me ask you this. Is there any area of your life that you know that you need to step up but you're not doing it? Professional and or personal life. Personal things like health, relationships, personal professional levels. What pain are you trying to avoid? Lost pain? What others going to think of me if I fail? I might lose respect, self-esteem. Process pain, which is legit, by the way. The pain of the process is legit. If you're attempting something hard and meaningful, be ready because it's going to be hard. If it was easy, everyone would do it. But follow your dreams is not an easy task. What about outcome pain? What if it doesn't work? But what if works? Again, what if it works? If you had more courage to face your fears, how would this change your life? How this would impact you and your family? Think about it. Reflect and try to identify what pain exactly you're avoiding. Accept the fear is there and do it anyway. Start to execute on your vision. After you start the process of choosing courage over fear, you must raise your emotional resilience level. How? Punching the clock daily. Regardless of all the curveballs that life throws at you from time to time, you keep punching the clock. You must keep moving towards your vision. To wrap up, I would like to combine Whistle Church's quote with Liborius' wisdom. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to keep punching the clock that counts.
Pus. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.